Do you have your Bibles? Do you have, like, the Word, like, tangible Word, or you got your phone? I mean, I, I say this often, um, so you guys probably already know what I'm going to say. If you don't have your Word, oh, you got yours. I'm proud of you. I love you. Well, if you're like me, I usually have my phone, unless I'm preaching, and then I make you guys feel bad for not having your Bibles. And I'm kidding. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter 3.10. I'm going to use this scripture to start off with. Um, there will be a lot of scriptures that we used this morning. They will be up on that screen. Um, I'm not going to spend time on each of them. If you are a note taker, hats off to you. You will be able to take notes if you are not. I'm completely judging you from the inside. Um, That was a joke. Maybe that one's used too much these days because I use it about every single time I preach. How many of you guys believe in Jesus this morning? How many of you guys believe that Jesus is speaking into your life right now? Yeah. How many of you guys know someone who needs to know Jesus? Yeah. Every single one of us, right? How many of you guys love life? Yeah. See, I believe if you know Jesus and you know that he speaks into our lives, um, then we have this gift uh, that I'm not sure we always understand the full weight of, but we have the ability to deposit something into someone else's life. That the words that come out of our mouths have the ability to bring life or have the ability to bring death. First Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life, And see, good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. I don't know about you, but I love life. In in some way, Hezekiah's raising his hand because Hezekiah loves life. Hezekiah is like... Life to the fullest guy. Like you want to see John 10, 10 walked out. The enemy comes, steal, kill, and destroy. by come and give you life and give you life abundantly. Just watch this guy. He's got all of the words. He's got all of the um, loudness. And he is in for a good time. I don't know about you, but I, I, I love life. In some way, shape, or form, though we all go through our struggles in life, I've always kind of just loved life. I love experiencing things. I, I love... Um, um, having fun. I love, I, I just, I, I'm in a spot where I've been married almost 11 years. I got four kids. Um, I got a house. I, I, like, there are some bad days that I've had, but life is good. I got a family that actually loves me still. I have friends. I love life. My boys, my boys love life almost a little too much. (laughs) 
that, and especially right now, like they're in the best season of their lives, not because they're, they're 10 and 7, but because it's summertime, right? Like summertime at the Faulkner home is their bedtime is a little later than normal. Um, the, the snacks, the, the amount of snacks, which we've already had to dial back because the, the grocery bill has exceeded its limits. Um, the, they've, they've got to see cousins from out of state that they only get to see like once or twice a year. They've already seen them three times, I think. They, they've been to the lake already. One of them's still at the lake right now. Um, they've been fishing. They've been hunting. Like, life is good, right, Zeker? They shot some fireworks yesterday. It is good. And they are enjoying it. But they don't always enjoy it, right? Not because life is really that difficult, though I think some of this stuff is a, is a little relative. Um, but more so because... Well, they don't always have as much freedom, like when they're in school. Now, ironically, both of my boys, Henley is just now going to kindergarten this year, both of my boys, they, they still like school, which is a trait that they did not get from their father. I'm not quite sure where that came from. Maybe it's just some really good teachers, hopefully, because they really enjoy school, but they don't enjoy it as much as they enjoy summer. There's more responsibility during the school year. They got to get up at a certain time and they got to do this and do this and do this and they come home from school and they got homework. They have a little more responsibility and the fact of the matter is is that no one really likes that much responsibility. We may say we do, but the fact of the matter is is that I think everybody in here doesn't like that much responsibility. However, if our good days and our love for life are only predicated on the environments that we find ourselves in, then we've missed the point of Christ in our lives. See, Christ is not a genie in a bottle that we rub to get what we want. Though I feel like we have done a really good job of pitching our relationship with Jesus as such. Hey, if you come into relationship with Jesus, he's going to give you everything that you ever would want, and it's going to be fantastic. And so we set these individuals, these non-believers coming into to believing up almost for failure because it's like, well, I want this, so I'm going to rub the, and I want it now. But you said, Pastor, that he loves me and he has all these promises for me. Yeah. See, Christ is actually the guy who died on the cross for us. And when he died on the cross, was buried and then rose again, he said, no, I, I do give you everything, but most of all, I give you a salvation that you can't earn. I will save your life. I will fill you with love. So ev that even in our bad days, I can sit and say, no, today is good because of who he is and what he's doing in my life. I was reminded this week on a very personal note that the things that come out of your mouth bring life or bring death. I've already said it. I'm going to say it a lot more today. That my confession, not the Roman Catholic confession where I go see a priest, the things that are coming out of my mouth, the things that I speak, 
I have the ability to bring life to those things or I have the ability to bring death to those things. And it is a choice that I'm actually making on a regular basis. Sometimes I don't think we always pay attention to that, though. Your confession over your life, your confession over your situation, your job, your spouse, your friends, your diagnosis, your finances, even your kids. I I made sure to put kids for last because it was one of the things as I was writing this sermon that I was very much convicted on. I don't know if, if, if you're there with me, parents, um, but have you ever said things about your kids that you're like, <laughs> you just kind of pitch them as funny? Oh, really? I'm the only one, huh? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Casey. Where are you at, Dallas? Huh? Come on, we say things and we pitch them as funny. I'll give you an example, um, and I'll use Henley because this guy's in the room. Um. <laughs> Henley, um, here's one that I was convicted by this week. Henley is my kryptonite. Really? A gift from God? And that's how I'm going to speak about it? No, but, but seriously, like, that we, we make this joke all of, all of the time. Henley is, is my kryptonite. The ironic thing about Henley is he's the only person in the house that actually speaks my love language. He is. And he's really good at it. He will come up to me and give me a hug. Like he'll, he'll be walking by. I, I'm, I'm not lying to you. He'll be walking by and he'll stop and look at you. And kind of look at his eyes like this. Daddy, I love you. And it'll melt your heart. I'll give him anything. What do you want? Until I ask him to do something and he looks at me and says, nah. And then bends over and says, you don't spank that hard. Come on. What is your confession over your kids? <laughs> Challenge accepted. What is your confession? What are the things that you're saying about your spouse? What are, the, what are those things? If they do not match the word of God, stop it. Henley is not my kryptonite. Hezekiah is not too loud. I love you. Hampton is not too defiant. Hoxton. Hoxton is. Hoxton is two. Which is a statement and not something I need convicted of. What are you saying about your spouse? What are are, are the things that are coming out of your mouth? For whoever would love life and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil. Why? Hmm. Words carry weight, and a weight that sometimes I don't think we completely understand. And unfortunately, sometimes our words carry weight based off of our feelings. I don't know about you, but nine times out of ten, it seems like my feelings are wrong. But I know he never is. The conversations we have with one another are important and have less to do with how we feel and more to do with what God and Christ and the Holy Spirit are doing through us. You may say, Sean, I hear what you're saying, but I do not see where God is working in my life right now. 
I do not see, I, 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 I want to believe what you're saying. I, I think what you're saying is, is probably true, but I do not see God working in my life. I do not see God working in my family's lives right now. I do not see God working in this pandemic right now. I do not see God working with the racial injustices of this country right now. I do not see God working in this nation at all right now. And to that, I would say God does not work in a nation. God works in you. And if you want this nation changed, it is you that will change. It is you and I that the words of Christ fill our lives and thus must fill our mouth. You may say, but I don't, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't, I think I know it's true. I, I think I believe you. At least I want to believe you. I just don't see where he's working. I'd like to show you. Can I do that? Can I try and show you through uh, some scripture that I feel like God has laid on my heart? Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He's right there. That's where he's at. You want to know where he's at? You want to know how he's working? He's right there. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. You have been given a grace that is not yours. So how dare you keep it from someone else? The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, that he gives us this hope. He gives us this, this abounding joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit. That we have been given a grace that we do not deserve, but he's given it to us anyway. So that we may be able to take his good news, Jesus Christ, who changed your life, and tell him about it. Let your conversations be full of grace. Ephesians uh, 4.29. Let not your unwholesome talk come out of your... Let not any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He's right there. That's where he's at. You want to know where he's at? He's right there. You may say, yeah, but what about me? What about... What about how I feel? Christ said that I have come to serve, not be served. How much more are we to serve? But my feelings. Proverbs 15:4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. He's right there. What do your conversations look like? I have been, I took a hiatus from social media at the beginning of the year. And I have come back on. Today, actually, I think last week I probably would have told you I, I was disappointed in that decision. But uh, you need to understand, when we preach up here, if I ain't preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. So I'm not telling you anything I don't need to hear too, okay? Do you understand? I'm not, I'm not some individual standing up on a stage that is high and mighty that you, is telling you something that you need to work on that I've got figured out. I'm saying this is something that i got to get figured out too, okay? But what you see on social media is it's bad. It's tough. There's some good stuff, right? But it's, it's tough the way we see each other speaking to one another. 
Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. He's right there. Proverbs 21, 23. Those who guard their mouths and keep their tongues keep themselves from calamity. He's right there. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of wise brings healing. I'm going to read that one again. The the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This, Christian, is what we do. This is what we do. We bring healing to people. We bring healing to people. But when our response, listen, you have to understand, in Romans 10, he comes into our lives, right? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, which is fantastic. That's, that's, that, that's great. FYI, eternity is not some place that you're going to. Eternity is something you're experiencing right now. Okay? You don't have to die in order to get to some sort of eternity. God's, Jesus says, I just quoted it a second ago, I have come to give you life and give you life to the fullest. That's not if you do so many good things and not so many bad things, you will die and you'll go to heaven and that is where you'll experience life. He says, no, I want you to experience life right now. That's why he gives us these promises and that's why his answer to those promises is always yes. So when he comes into our lives, you have an eternal salvation, which is fantastic, but he also fills you with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't fill you with part of the Holy Spirit. He fills you with all of the Holy Spirit. So thus, you desire a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. And wisdom, according to this scripture, brings healing. You today, right now, where you're seated, there is someone who needs healed. I'm not necessarily talking about a broken back being fixed. I'm not necessarily talking about a leg needing extended. I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about everything. Sometimes they just need a word of God and that in and of itself is the miracle. Sometimes they just want to know that they're not worthless. That in and of itself is a miracle. These, these, this idea that miracles take place when the paralyzed get up and walk, and yeah, I'm not saying they don't happen. I very much believe they happen. I also very much believe that God works on a regular basis by using regular people like you and myself, just based off of the words that are, but if I am speaking evil, if I'm speaking anything contrary to the word of God, then am I really bringing hope into someone's life? Am I really bringing healing into someone's life? We have to understand that if our response is based out of our feelings and not in Christ, we're leaving people worse than what we found them. There's two sides to this coin. If I operate out of my feelings, I have an inability to give you the things that Christ has given me. On the flip side, if I operate out of my feelings, I also do not have the ability to look at situations and things that I'm struggling and see Christ in them either. And if I can't see how Christ is providing for me, then I'm not sure I can see, I can help anybody see how Christ is providing for them.
talked last week about how Christians are to be the most radically alive individuals to walk the face of this earth. And in that scripture, or in that, in that sermon, as I was watching it, everybody clapped. And it's something to clap for. You should clap for that because it's true. We're supposed to be. Guys, sometimes, do you ever wish that you could take what's going on on the inside of you and, like, place it into someone else? I know that sounds weird, right? But, like, have you ever experienced a good time? And it's like, man, I want someone to. I, I wish everyone understood what it meant to sit in a deer blind the way I make, the way I feel like it, it, it makes, makes me feel. It, it, like I, I've preached it before, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I remember sitting in a deer stand. I remember the sun coming up. I look over to the east, and I was sitting in a place called Newsom's, and it, the, the sun comes up, and I see everything in a different light. The old is gone, and the new is here, and I see things differently. I'll never forget it. It's the first time that the Bible came to life. Ah, this is not in my sermon, but do you, ha- you guys have to understand, this word of God is the living word of God. It is not something that happened at one point in time. So this, when you read it and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, come to life. This is not something that is good to read and you get to see the beginning and end of stories. You get to see how God works in your life. Someone back there got it. We're, we're to be not we're to be radically living people. Not like DC Talk Jesus Freak necessarily. Anybody in here? DC Talk Jesus Freak? Loved that. And when I was growing up in youth, like that's what it was about, right? Like we were going to be crazy and we were going to be on fire and on fire looked like we were going to be loud and we were going to throw these big parties and, we were, and it was all going to be about Jesus and we were going to be these Jesus Freaks. Can I just be a Jesus Freak in every single thing that I do? Can, in, in every single moment of my life, can I just be a Jesus freak and it not be some sort of loud, boisterous thing, but a piercing truth that Jesus is? Everybody clapped last Sunday, and it was fantastic, and it was great, and I believe it to be true. The problem is, is if we're not walking it out, then we're no different than the unbeliever that we're trying to preach to. That's actually not even true. We are different. To know Jesus and to not walk out Jesus is to be lukewarm. I don't know if you've ever drank lukewarm water, but I very much understand why Jesus says in Revelations that he's going to vomit you out of your, his mouth. And I very much use the word vomit because it brings a little bit more weight than spit. This, this scripture I've known it forever, right? If you've been a Christian long enough, you've known it for a little while. This scripture carried more weight after the last two years of my life. I'll tell you why. Two years ago, I had, I was going through chemotherapy, right? And it, you guys, have, the majority of you have been around. You've seen, uh, you saw me walk through that process. I didn't lose my hair. I didn't lose my eyebrows. I didn't, I didn't lose the, the typical chemotherapy stuff. This one, um, I had a sensitivity to cold things, which is ironic and unfortunate because we were headed into the winter 
when I was doing this. <laughs> neuropathy, um, if you know what neuropathy is, um, neuropathy, uh, tingling of the extremities. And um, this, this medicine um, would give me a sensitivity to cold things. So like this water bottle, which I don't know who got this water bottle for me, but you guys know me too well. Usually Quentin gets the normal size one. I got the big size one because I've gone through five water bottles this morning. Um, but like this, this, this water bottle was cold for service. It's actually still a little cool. Like you feel that. That's not very cold, right? No, it's not at all. But if I was in the middle of chemo, that would feel like, have you ever held onto, uh, well, maybe held onto, if you've held onto an electric fence, we have questions. Have you ever touched an electric fence? It hurts, right? Um, it's this jolt. Like, that's what it would have felt like if I would have touched that water bottle during the middle of chemotherapy. Um, it, it wasn't pleasant. The other one was that if I drank cold water, it felt like shards of glass going down my throat and my neck would seize up. And it happened one time and it never happened again because I went to lukewarm water. The scripture meant something to me when I was forced to drink lukewarm water. And the one thing I never want to be is lukewarm water. Because if you've ever drank lukewarm water, I understand why Jesus wants to spit you out of your mouth, out of his mouth. It's not good. I can do hot water, and I can do cold water, but lukewarm water, not room temperature water. We should, I should make a graph of the temperatures of water, because you got room temperature water, and right underneath that is lukewarm water. Um, water bottle in your car. You ever drank a water bottle in your car in the middle of summer? No. What do you do? You go put it in the fridge, because it's disgusting. FYI, to know Christ and not walk it out. I'm not calling you disgusting, but lukewarm water is disgusting. Can you preach a sermon last week? And if you didn't, if you weren't here, I suggest you get on and listen to it because it was a great, it was a great sermon. Um, if, if you were here um, and couldn't get past the first part of what he had to say, go back and listen to it because it's really good. It was on the promises of God. And that this time, right now, where we're at, the situation we're in, God's not done working. Things don't look good. Depending on where you're sitting, some things look a little worse than others. But God is not done working. Quentin said, and I want to reiterate it because I think that it is a, a very solid truth, that if it does not look like what God said it was going to look like, he's not done. That the promises that he has on our lives are the answer to them are yes, always. Does he love me? Yes. Is he with me right now, actually? Right where you're at. Does his love endure forever? Yes, First Chronicles 16, 34 says it. Is he faithful to me? Yes, Psalms 100, verse 5. 
Does, his promise, does he promise good things? Yes, 2 Samuel 7, 28. Will he take care of me? Yes, Nahum 1, 7. Does he show me favor? Yes, Psalm 84, 11. Does, uh, does he strengthen me? Yes, Isaiah 40, 29. Will he never leave or forsake me? No, he won't ever leave or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Is he my comfort? According to uh, Psalm 23, 4, he is. Does he straighten my path? Yes, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Does he bless me? Yes, he blesses you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He has all of these promises for us. Yes, they are true. Yes, they will come to pass. But have you ever noticed there seems to be a space between the promise and the yes? Have you ever noticed the promises God has put on your life? There always seems to be a space. It's not, here's your promise and yes. You talked about a couple of them last week. Abraham, you're going to have a kid. You're going to be really old when you have that kid. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to let you walk that out. Joseph, you had a dream. And that dream will come to pass. It wasn't just a fairy tale in your head when you were sleeping. It's just going to be a minute. And oh, by the way, it's not going to look like what you think it was going to look like or be the purpose for what you thought it was going to be. David, David, you stunk. And stunk for many years after that. But you will get that crown. If you look at these stories, and there's more in the Bible, it seems to me that the promise was given and then every obstacle known to man came into play. Why? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that if he gave you that promise and gave you that Big Mac instantaneously, you'd take all the credit. But that's not credit that you can take. The grace that we're drowning in this morning, the grace that has been giving, given to us, is a grace that is given to us, not something that we have earned. I don't know about you, I really like reading the Bible because I know how the stories are going to end. It's not necessarily easy on this side of the Bible to walk this out, knowing that he's given me promises, but I have no idea when that yes is coming. There seems to me to be a gap between the promise and the yes. And at times it is awfully disappointing. Because when Hezekiah, when I promised Hezekiah McDonald's, he wants the Big Mac now. It's a true thing, Zeke. We all have stories like this in our lives. The, the stories... Um, they may have happened some time ago. These stories have not lost their luster because God didn't work in those stories, but because we stopped telling the stories. You know that song, I said this first service, and it popped in the way I was taught the song, not the way that the song was actually written. You know the song, uh, Dust on a B Bottle? Might be a little dust on a bottle. No. You guys need to listen to some more country music. It's the closest thing to Christian music. It will do good things for your spirit. 
let's go. Anyhow, there's a song called Dust on a Bottle. When we were growing up, we learned it as Dust on a Bible. It reminded me of of this because sometimes I feel like, I mean, listen, there have been things that have happened in our lives that are demarcations in our lives, which is the yes God has given us. It's what changed your life and made you who you are today. We all have these stories. We all have the, the story. Uh, Q has talked about his, I think it was Grandma Jessie um, that had the drunken husband. Yeah. I told first service, and I think that it is very true, my generation has lost the importance, importance of a handkerchief. <clears throat> Grandma Jessie would take her handkerchief, and she would go to church, and she would pray over that handkerchief. And at night, she would slide that handkerchief underneath um, her husband's pillow, praying that he would get sober. We actually have this same story in my family. A little different, but it's, it's the, the same story. My dad, um, he was an alcoholic for a good chunk of his life. My dad actually grew up in church. He was Episcopalian. He was even an acolyte. If you don't know what that means, you can ask him after um, church. Um, but he was very involved in, in church. At some point in time... Um, Beer and rock and roll just kind of took over. And he was good at doing both, apparently. That's a joke. He's laughing. You can laugh, too. Everyone's like, he's in the room. Is this okay? It'll be all right. Now you know where Hezekiah gets his loudness. But the first part of my life, and, you know, Dad drank for a long time. Um, I don't... All the details and the details are really kind of irrelevant for this morning. But he, for the first part of my life, he drank a lot and he played a lot. He was playing five, six nights a week and he'd come home two, three, four o'clock in the morning just drunker than a skunk more times than not. And my mom would would stay up and pray and just, just get him home safe. Just get him home safe. Just get him home safe. And that turned into get him home safe to get him home sober. Get him sober. Get him sober. I'd like to see my husband a little bit more, so if we could back off the plane a little bit, that'd be good too, God. And we started, I, don't, I think we always went to church. We always went to church. Um, I told first service, there isn't a dom- denomination I don't think I've been, actually. I've been, I was baptized in the Episcopalian church, so liturgy oozes out of me, which is really great. But um, uh, the, we were Roman Catholic for a, a hot minute, and that's actually very impressive in and of itself because that's not a denomination you can just kind of pop in and pop out of. <laughs> the, we've been the Brethren, uh, part of the Brethren Church, and I don't even actually know who that is under. Um, we were Baptist. We were Methodist. I don't think we were ever Mennonite, but we went to a Mennonite church. We have been, we've been to non-denominational churches. We've been to non-denominational churches that had denomination affiliations. We've been to them all. But we would go to church. Um, some of them my family was a part of. Some of them my family wasn't a part of, uh, being extended family and whatnot. And every time we would go to church, Dad would stop by what we called the shortstop Um in St. John. And he would get the biggest handful of sweet tarts he could get. Sometimes they were the extra long ones. You ever seen them? They were, that was, those were good Sundays because we doubled up on our rations. But he would get as many as he could and he would go 
you know, he'd, he'd get home three, four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning, and mom would have him up, hey, we're going to church, and you ain't got a question. You, 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 this is what's happening. And he'd get these sweet tarts, and we'd go, and I just thought the sweet tarts actually for, were for us because we listened to some hellaciously boring preaching. And we would eat those sweet tarts, only come to find out, I think dad was doing it just so he could stay awake. Um, but he did. he did. Look at this. Oh, are you telling me I'm boring? No. Sweet tarts. It is, a, it is a staple. It is a staple. I won't eat them right now because it'll be annoying to you. Sweet tarts. My dad would go to church and he'd go play. And he'd drink. And he'd go to church. And he'd go play. And he'd drink. There came a time where my mom's yes, or my mom's promise turned into a yes. One of the coolest things about my dad's story, in my eyes, uh, there's probably lots of other cool things. I don't know where he went. Um, He went that way. way. He's probably going to cry. That's good. Real men cry. Um, I'm teaching a 17-year-old about that right now. Um, My mom's promise turned into a yes. And the coolest thing about that is my dad has never wavered. He's never struggled with it one time. It is. Can, can, can we give God some glory here? Because this is, this is what happens. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. What my dad did was not of himself. See, when God answers a promise, he answers it fully. He doesn't answer it with the majority of, of God and a little bit of you, right? Because if, God, if, if dad did that himself, he would have failed at some point in time. If dad, if dad would have said, no, I have the ability to, to do this myself, I have the ability to do this myself, I have the ability to do this myself, he would have relapsed at some point in time. And heaven only knows what that relapse would have looked like in our family. When God comes into your life and he gives you a promise, he gives you every bit of that promise so that when you are done, when you get that yes, there's no question moving forward. Hmm. We all have these stories in our lives. I feel like many of us right now are in this space between this promise and this yes, and we're tired. Some of us are weary. Some of us are just flat ready to give up. But I believe with all my heart that just with a little bit of a perspective change, little bit of perspective change. We have the ability to see God in every moment of our lives. In Philippians, Paul talks about pressing on towards the goal. If you've heard me preach it all more than once, you've probably heard me talk about the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, to me, um, is the most perspective-altering book of the Bible in my life. And I'll tell you why. The book of Philippians is considered the happiest book in the Bible. Did you know that? A whole bunch of people, way smarter than me, have read it all and said, Sean, happiest book in the Bible is Philippians. 
Philippians was written from a prison cell. The happiest book of the Bible, of all of the blessings, of all of the healings, of all of the miracles, the happiest book of the Bible, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, comes from a guy who was sitting in a prison cell, chained to a Roman guard, questioning, trying to figure out, waiting trial for the crimes he committed against the Roman state. Be anxious for nothing, Paul says. But in everything, through prayer and supplication. In Philippians 3, 14, he says, I press onward towards the goal. What are you talking about, Paul? He's chained to a Roman guard in a Roman prison. What is he pressing on towards? There's one author that says that Paul was experiencing something otherworldly. That allowed him to be free and optimistic and hopeful in a prison cell. Or frankly, Paul was in complete denial. But Paul wasn't in denial. We have to understand that that hope sometimes to an unbeliever looks like denial. Hope isn't denial, though. Hope is taking your real-life situation and finding God in the middle of it. Hope is not denying reality. Paul wasn't in denial. Paul had hope. He had hope that his pressing on in a prison cell, his physical situation, where he found his body to be, was no match for his eternal freedom. He pressed on. Paul did not press on physically he did spiritually I don't know if you found yourself this morning in some sort of prison cell I've been in them and they look all different right a prison cell doesn't have to be a diagnosis a prison cell can be your own thoughts but that prison cell Sometimes I find, we find ourselves in those prison cells caught between the promise and the yes. And this morning, I want to encourage you. What are your confessions? What are, what are the things that are coming out of your mouth? What are the conversations that you're having with yourself, with your friends, someone you've never met what does your hope look like are you trying to muster it up are you allowing the hope 
and the Holy Spirit to guide you. Stand with me. it's important that we do this. This actually, in a liturgical setting, is called the epiclesis of the service. It's called the, the climax of the service. When the, the body of believers come together and lift up Christ and rem remember the sacrifice that he paid. Guys, this right here is what changes your perspective. This right here is what changes your conversations. It changes the way you see the world. It changes everything. The moment that Jesus hung on that cross breathed his last breath that we have an eternal freedom an eternal salvation that doesn't start on the other side of death it starts right here right now so here in a second when you take the wafer and you put it in your mouth and you drink the juice Maybe just for a moment, you ask God to wash any unhealth out of us. Not just cancer cells or not just unhealthy, but unhealthy thoughts, perverse words. When we are clean before God, we are washed white as snow. Before we do that, can we pray the way our Father taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The body and blood.
God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Give you the grace and the peace that you need for today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Have a great week.